so this movie was bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I... I had only seen this movie once before, and it was in theaters, and I had forgotten how uh, weird it was <laughs> <laughs> in parts. Um, I've also read the book that this was based on. And, I was uh, going to say, uh, how different is it? I mean, obviously, there's like a couple big differences from the oh, start. Yeah. There, but... There's a lot, and I, I, I want to get into that later, because okay. it definitely veers off dramatically from the book at one certain part, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it the torture basement? <laughs> yeah, the torture basement was not in the original novel, but the, yeah. the, the veering off goes off uh even further back than that okay okay yeah <laughs> yeah so i um i had a cold beer this morning like normally when i get coffee out i get like a, a hot latte or something like that but i got a cold brew because i was like oh, i don't really want a bunch of like milk even though i don't get like real milk i get whatever they have that won't upset my stomach yeah so it started to hit me like halfway through the movie and then after the movie ended I was so like uncomfortable and like weirdly like not sure if it was like if I was aroused or if I was like terrified and then I was like convulsing I mean, because of the coffee so I had to go I mean, take that's a run. kind of like the perfect storm of this movie. <laughs> also that's a great way to describe this movie. I'm not sure if I'm terrified or aroused. Yeah I feel like uh more so in the direction of just being like super uncomfortable yeah it, this it is quite a lot and do you uh, want to like since there's like so much do you want to break it down by like each act yeah we might like, as well bouncing around we might as well because yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so act one we have suki right yes and they call her something else. I I'm so I, bad with names. <laughs> same same. It's Oak Oak Oakju. Yeah. I'm gonna take this opportunity to look it up really quick. <laughs> okay. They they don't really say her name that much. Like I feel like they call her. Steve yeah. No. Because they the thing is like she technically has like three names in this yeah. uh, film. Because there's like her her fake Korean name and her fake Japanese name and then her real actual name. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> we'll call this part out. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I know that the uh, the royal royal lady is Hideko or Hideko. I yeah. I don't. Um, I'm gonna fuck up every. Listen, we're listen. Just to, we're all <laughs> we're really white, and we don't. <laughs> this is the first foreign film we've actually done for this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't yeah. it the first, like, foreign language film? Yeah. I'm not very good with um with accents, so even when I do know how to pronounce something, I, I'm not very good with accents. That's why I, like, am not as good at Italian as I should be, because I'm extremely embarrassed of the way I pronounce things. Aww. So. <laughs> uh, I, I can't find the fake names, and I don't feel like doing a oh. thorough search on my phone but um yeah. we'll just call her suki because that's what her name is and then uh <laughs> yeah so the first act is her and then the second act is from Heidekos' perspective and then the third act is i guess would you say it's technically from uh what's his name <laughs> fujiwara i think yeah yeah his um, perspective technically sort of a bit or just i, I feel like the third like act the is omniscient. more omniscient yeah yeah, yeah yeah i feel like it's more fujiwara. omniscient that's it. Yeah. 
so yeah, we can do that. So this is the Why Haven't You Watched That podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Lita. So part one, you find this uh, Korean girl, Suki, and she is a pickpocket and part of like a family of con artists. And I didn't know that this was going in this direction at all. I didn't know this was like a crime thriller. I I sort only of. knew about like the two of the, the women. That's yeah. all I knew about it going in. So, um, and I think it's set in like the 40s right yeah it's a it's it's post-war and it has a lot this is a part of history i'm not really super familiar with but i know that like japan and korea were like a whole thing during that time and like japan annexed korea and so that fucked up pretty much everything else in asia while world war ii was going on yeah they china and korea especially and i know a lot of the like other smaller countries um so there's a lot of people that did not like Japan, and that's <laughs> the nice way to put it. And I feel like that gets kind of, like, swept under the rug because all of the stuff that we learn about World War II is very America-centric. Oh, definitely, absolutely. And Europe-centric. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense in a way because it doesn't have, like, too much to do with us personally, and I feel like a lot of the times when history is taught, like, you don't really learn too much about, like, the politics of, like, other countries in the world. Like, um, I think... Yeah. Yeah, like, a lot... Like, even, like, uh, there's basic stuff I know about our country, and I have, like, international friends who have no idea what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right, we're not the center of the universe, I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like most people learn, like, their country first, although I I feel like there's, like... Because so many other countries learn English, too. Yeah. There might be more of a focus on English history, or American history, I guess, sometimes. Maybe. But, but I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that kind of, that, I think that was, like, a very interesting thing. Because, for those of you who don't know, uh, also, like, I feel like this film we're doing, and has a bit of a departure from what we usually do. Because, like, I feel like our usual thing is, like, doing films everyone has seen and that you haven't. But I feel like this film was an important one to do just because uh, it's an important, like, uh, queer film, I feel like. And also, it's our first foreign film. And also, it was based off of a book written by Sarah Waters called Fingersmith, which actually takes place in Victorian England. And I feel like a great way to play tribute to that that they did in this film was to have the house kind of be a hybrid yes, between it, Asian and English architecture. I thought that was extremely that was really cool. clever from a production design standpoint. Absolutely. It reminded me of the house in Chronicles of Narnia. The, like their <laughs> uncle's house. <laughs> like the, especially the staircase and all of the like wallpapering and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, although I feel like this director is like really well known and yeah. I haven't seen Old Boy yet but that is like a really well known movie of his and I have seen Snowpiercer which I it's the same guy, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if I've actually seen any of his other films, actually. Um, I'm gonna check right now. <laughs> but I he, is a, he is a Korean director, though. 
So yeah. I thought it was very interesting to have him uh, direct something that is about... Um... Oh, I've seen two of his movies, actually. I saw Stoker, which is an amazing movie. Have you seen it? I haven't seen Stoker. I feel like we talked about That's going to be a switcheroo because yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of his films, actually. But, yeah. um... Yeah, we should do that one first, a switcheroo, definitely, because I've been meaning to watch that for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um... I feel like having, or, you know, we can get into this, this discussion later when we get into <laughs> Act 2. I think you already know what I want to talk about. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this first act, and th- for the most part, this film does pretty much adhere to the plot of the book for the first third of the movie, especially the first act. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are going to be obvious differences what, with one it being an adaptation of a book and two changing the setting so drastically, but plot-wise, it's pretty much the same as the novel. And I feel like that was... I feel like a very interesting thing that happens in the first act is the way um, the eroticism between uh, Suki and Haideko is portrayed mm-hmm. with how like they're just like unbuttoning each other's buttons and, like, uh, the thing with the thimble, which does actually happen in the novel as well. Um, yeah. And- oh, that, I was, okay, so I was very confused <laughs> in the first act. I was so confused, and it was really hard to take notes because it's all subtitled, so, like, every time I went to write a note down, I was like, oh, shit, I need to rewind because I just missed something that they said. It's like when I tried to watch the sub of Sailor Moon, and I kept trying to, like, do chores and stuff like I normally do when I watch TV, and I'm like, wait, I don't fucking know Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't know anything that was happening. Uh, But the thimble part, I was like, is she fucking filing her tooth? Like, what is going on? Yeah, that's what she's doing. She's filing her tooth. So weird. (laughs) Yeah, it is very strange. (laughs) And to be like, oh, a thimble will do that. That's that's just a normal thing, you know, that you think of to file down your sharp tooth. Yeah, it's also, you also have to keep in mind that uh, she um, was raised around a bunch of, like, babies who are teething, probably, as well, so she would know shit like that. True. And, um... I didn't think about that. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think that's more something I thought of because it's explicitly mentioned in the book. I think it's like, oh, I grew up around a bunch of kids, Uh, so... Yeah, yeah. We used to do these with the babies, but of course she can't say that to her because that, like, gives the game away. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was all, like erotic but not and it was like you especially the way it was filmed you could like feel it i was like watching i was like oh oh yeah <laughs> oh my and and it's like over it's like oh all right mm-hmm. <laughs> so i thought the way that was filmed was brilliant um as the film goes on i feel like that style of the eroticism changes yes it it does especially like through in the second part especially with like the other perspective yeah you know um and also like i thought it was like extremely funny watch because the thing is like when i first saw this i had already read the book i already knew what like the plot twist was and Mm -hmm. so i was watching i was like wow she really is like the worst liar ever (laughs) she's like oh he lays anything about your assets um i mean your face (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like oh my god so, like, what were you, like, you didn't know anything about the plot before this, did you? I had no idea. So, like, so, what, were you, what were you thinking while you were watching it? The first act, I thought that I was, like, way closer to the end of the movie. Because it's, like, the end of the first act is, like, an hour in, I think. So I was like, oh, shit, that's just gonna be the end. Like, they just put her in the asylum and that's just the end. That's fucked up. And 
so was, and I was just really confused. I was confused at like the uncle's whole character at first. And I was like, why is his tongue black, first of all? And then they show him, like, licking the ink later on, which is so gross. I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I was just extremely confused. I, and I, I didn't know that I wasn't, like, I didn't know that I was supposed to be confused because I didn't know that it was going to be, like, a mystery. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, you don't go into it knowing that, like, you're gonna be in for a bunch of these plot twists. Yeah. Which are far more numerous in the book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's... Well, we'll get into that a little okay. bit later when we get into it. Um, uh, but yeah, the, once the second act begins, like, one of the things I really like in stuff is seeing the same events told yeah. again from such a vastly different perspective and puts those old scenes in a completely different context which we got in like oceans 11 in a very different kind of way kind of <laughs> yeah yeah not not quite as a uh, dramatical way as the yeah. handmaiden but yeah i like that as well and again this like for the most part during the second act does adhere to uh what was in the novel uh mm -hmm. they changed like a couple of things it, it seems minor at first, but then later on it winds up being more significant that those things were changed. But yeah, yeah uh, I love how this movie's alternate title could be Men Are the Worst, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, yeah, wow. Yeah, Like, all the men in this this film are just, like, so disgusting mm. and just so, like, <laughs> pathetically disgusting, and yeah. and it's and really... It's, it's, it's crazy how, like, you don't real like, I didn't realize, again, that in the first act, um, Suki doesn't know like what is being read and the whole thing with the snake confused by that um but yeah i didn't know that it was like a whole thing that she didn't actually like experience that the readings was actually an important part of the whole plot yeah uh and i like as they were as they were unfolding that i was like is this is this porn like is this <laughs> is this what porn used to be did people used to do this uh, <laughs> And then, like, when she's laughing at the pictures in the book, I thought that the aunt was just teaching her, like, how to say anatomy in, in Japanese, you know? And I thought that they were being, like, like, when he, like, puts his hands over their faces, which yeah, that is was, fucking that was so horrible. Yeah. Um, I thought he was, like, mad that they were reading that, but he was mad that they were laughing about it, because he's like, no, be serious about it, because, like, if you laugh about it, then they nobody's gonna get hard <laughs> like <laughs> oh it's so gross uh, it's, there's like a major difference between the the characterization of the uncles between the books um in the in the in the novel the uncle is very much more academic about it than the uncle in this he is very he doesn't really get off on it and he doesn't really like the uncle isn't doesn't think about sex at all in the novel he doesn't have like a secret lady on the side and i don't even think in the novel from what i can remember he's intending on marrying his niece yeah um he just like wants her there because he's like well i need someone to fucking help me so and like once we get through all the acts i'll explain the differences <laughs> because i oh, keep yeah. wanting to like get into the differences but i don't want to yet um so it was interesting watching this and like the uncle is like just much more um into the novels as themselves rather than just as like an exercise in academia and like mm -hmm. in the in the novels he's very much like oh man 
the pages. Oh man, feel the pages. They're so nice. And then in this, he's like, not really. That's not what it's really about for him. Yeah. And I thought that was for this movie that departure makes total sense because i feel like the thesis of the movie is what heideko says in act two men are disgusting (laughs) yeah it's so true so i feel like i'm gonna give like just a really quick rundown of the plot since like as you said a lot of people might not actually have seen this like even though it is by a pretty famous director uh so first act we have fujiwara saying i'm gonna pose as a count and Suki, you are going to be the handmaiden to this lady that is living with her gross uncle in Korea, but they're Japanese. And um, you're going to basically do no, her... no, the uncle isn't Japanese. That was the whole he's, thing. He's Korean, but the niece is... She's Japanese, right? The niece is Japanese. The yeah, uncle okay, really sorry. wants to be Japanese. Sorry, like, sorry. He really yeah. badly wants to be Japanese. Because he has the, the whole house is influenced by Japan and in England, and that's why he lives in Korea. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that was another thing, too, because, like, I have not a discerning ear whatsoever, so I was trying to figure out, yeah. like, when they were speaking Korean no, versus that, when they were speaking Japanese. Well, that the subtitles gave you the clue when yeah. it was uh, in yellow versus when it was in white. Yeah, yeah. Um. I had to turn off my actual subtitles on Amazon because it was, like, putting the subtitles over the subtitles that were already in the movie, and I was like, ah! Because <laughs> I always have subtitles on anyways uh, for, for English movies because my friend... My ears aren't friends with my brain. brain. So. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's got, like, kind of, like, a weird fetish, I guess, for all things Japanese and then, like, all the erotic Japanese novels. And, um, the, basically, they're like, okay, you're gonna con this family out of all their money and send this lady off to an asylum because, like, her aunt was crazy and blah blah blah. And then you find out, oh shit, she knew all along that something was up, so she has Suki take her place in the asylum. And Suki's like, oh my fucking god. So you're like, oh shit. So they had this erotic experience. And then, just kidding, you get put up in the asylum. Yeah. It's like <laughs> and then we, we go back in time. And we see, is it Hideko or Haideko? Haideko. Okay. Um, we see her as a child. And her uncle's fucking disgusting and terrible. And they're teaching her to read Japanese, basically to take her aunt's place. Her aunt she thinks kills herself she is then reading about oh when you get hanged you don't look like she looked she her mouth wasn't open and she didn't like crap herself basically so her uncle's like i'm gonna show you a cool place and takes her down to the basement it's a torture basement and you don't know that yet because you just see her face and you know she's horrified uh so then she's like okay i gotta step in line i'm I'm scared find out that she is working with fujiwara and he tells her, like, I have no interest in you. I know that you have no interest in me. There's no way I'm going to be able to seduce you. And I'm not actually who I say I am. Here's what we're going to do. I have this girl. I'm going to send her to be your handmaiden. We're going to put her in place of you in the asylum. And then we're going to make sure that your uncle never comes for you. He gives her a vial of, like, pure opium. And is like, use this if he tries to take you to the basement. And she's like, cool, awesome. So then you find out. She tries to kill herself, and Suki stops her, and then they run away together, and you see this then from the other perspective, and then you find out, well, 
Haruko doesn't want what the Count has either. She actually really likes Suki. So they form a plan to basically just run off together. Fuck all the men. But not fuck <laughs> all the men. <laughs> and so then you see that they they planned it like that. Like It goes yeah. from Haidako being like, okay, I'm fooling her, to then, then both being up front with each other. We were trying to fool each other. Now we're going to fool the dudes. And then in the third act, you see that all come to fruition and they get Suki out of the asylum and she... Uh, Haidako drugs Fujiwara so he can't rape her um, he ends up getting taken back to torture basement but he's smoking mercury cigarettes and him and the uncle fucking die that's basically the worst plot summary I could possibly do <laughs> no yes. that's, that's pretty much what happens uh, it's, there's, it's really there's, there's a lot of, going on there's a lot of like double fake outs and like yeah. um a lot of, like, like you, you start this off and you don't really know what's going on, and then just, like, things just sort of, like, gradually reveal themselves over time. Yeah. Uh, so now that you've, like, said this summer, I'm gonna get into a bit, a bit of the differences <laughs> between the book. In the book, in the book, the major, major difference, uh, the two characters in the book are named Sue and Maud, and Sue is Suki and Maud is Haidako. Mm-hmm. They do not team up. They do not conspire together at any point. So, Crazy. in the novel, it really is Sue just gets sent to the asylum. Oh, no. Yeah, and so... Um, I don't like that. Well, <laughs> it gets crazier. <laughs> just wait. Um, <laughs> so, I forget what the dude's name is in the book, but him... They go back to the house where uh, Sue grew up. Mrs. Mrs. Suxby is the woman's name in the okay. uh, novel. And they get back and it's like, oh, surprise, it was her plan the whole time because her, like, uh, Maud's mom isn't who isn't some rich lady. It was just some random thief. And that's what we told Sue her mom was. But it, really, it was Maud's mom. And so, like, they, like, switched the babies. And now Mrs. Suxby is going to get all the inheritance through some convoluted scheme. And then... Later, it's like, oh, never mind, double, triple twist. Uh, actually, Maud is Mrs. Suxby's daughter, and then like, and then Sue escapes from the asylum on her own, just like on her own, because nice. um, in the novel, like uh, the count in the in the movie, uh, in the novel, it's pretty clear he's not, he's gay. Like it's pretty clear he's gay, and he's okay. really genuinely not interested, and um. And so, like, one of the servants in the household, like, he'd been having an affair with him, and, like, that guy shows up the asylum, it's like, hey, this isn't, this isn't, uh, this isn't Maud, this is uh, <laughs> and so that's how she's kind of able to escape from there. Okay. And so she shows up back at Mrs. Suxby's house, and she has no idea if this was Mrs. Suxby's plan. She's like, this was all a fake plan, and blah, 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 and everyone's like, uh, joke's on you, bitch, and she <laughs> freaks out. And then all of that's revealed, and then, like, everything just falls apart, and then it turns out she was the one who gets the inheritance, I think. And then Maud, to support herself, she starts writing pornographic stuff for, like, a magazine. And uh, then those okay. two get together. And then that's fingers. <laughs> Bizarre. All right. So I think what we've learned here is that both the novel and the movie are extremely difficult to summarize. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because, like, you start talking about it, and you're like, I know exactly what happened, and then you're like, oh, fuck, there's so much Yeah, there's just so, there's so much. There's so much. And honestly, I can say that I prefer the movie's way of wrapping things up rather than the novel, because it's so much more cathartic for those two to admit to each other they've been tricking each other and to team up and, like, say, fuck the men and destroy the pornographic library and throw it all in the water and throw ink all over everything and run off into the sunset it was so much better than what happened in the novel which was just silly it was silly yeah Yeah. i um i did read that the one sarah waters book the pain guest that's the same yeah author right yes yeah and i feel like there it's kind of almost a similar plot line to the movie in certain ways yeah and I definitely didn't like the way that she tied things up. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't like the way that certain things played out in that novel either. So it's not surprising that the fingersmith, like, I, I don't think that I would have liked that as much. I have a, I have, I've read almost all of her books. I, excuse me. I haven't read The Little Stranger yet because it's told from the perspective of a straight man who's, like, into a lesbian woman. I'm like, I'm not about mm. this. But, um... <laughs> It is kind of a bit of a running theme with her novels where, like, everything starts off a certain way and then she gets into, like, these crazy plot twists that are, like, kind of convoluted and weird. And I especially remember the first novel of hers I read, uh, Affinity. It ended in a way I did not fucking like and I'm never gonna (laughs) read that book ever again because it was too sad. Yeah. Yeah, I was really glad I got scared at the end of this that, um the the uncle was gonna torture Fujiwara and then go find the girls oh yeah and I was really glad that that's not how it ended yeah, I was God. like come on guys thank that God. was that part was horrific I didn't really watch most of it <laughs> um and he also had like jars of organs and shit right yeah. like it looked like there was like definitely a dick in a jar somewhere probably Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I was a bit too focused on the fucking octopus. Yeah, the octopus. And I was like, because there's definitely that picture of, like, basically tentacle porn. And then I'm like, oh, that's, I don't, I don't like this. And like, is that where the other handmaiden ended up? In the torture chamber? No, no, no. There's Did she just get kicked out? No, there's no torture chamber at all in the novel. The uncle is just... I mean, in the movie. Wait. Oh, yeah, maybe. I hope maybe. not. I mean, I don't think that's... I think she probably just got fired. Got yeah. I, I, I don't think so. she was probably tortured. They probably just let her but go. But, I mean, like, obviously other people have been down there besides just the girl's aunt, you know? Yeah. You don't just set up a whole torture basement and only have, like, two people end up in there ever. Like, it's disturbing like, well, it's, as it's, shit. It's, 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 just, it's just an insurance policy. You know? Just like, you know, just in case anybody gets up to some mischief. You know, you got it there if you need it, but you it's don't need disturbing. to use it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the uncle's way more fucked up in the movie than he is in the novel. And he's pretty yeah. fucked up in the novel, too. So it's like, yikes. And he also definitely can walk, but he has the servants, like, carry him around in the chair strapped to their back. And I was just yeah. like, you, you asshole. Yeah, he's, a, oh, he's such a dick. such a dick and also like the whole like it this i feel like this moment is very blink if you miss it is like the the main older housekeeper later housekeeper later was his old wife that he left so he could marry a japanese woman i feel like that's kind of like glossed over a bit and apparently they still fuck and it's like well (laughs) yeah it's really weird 
Yeah, and no wonder that it does explain though, like why she's so cruel to to Haruko, like when she's a child. That part. There are so many like viscerally upsetting parts of it. Like I'm, it is like a like a queer film in the way that it's nice that they actually like neither one of the ladies die and they get to be together and ride off into the sunset but at the same time it's like there's so many other uncomfortable things happening that you can't like enjoy that part of it like when he's beating her knuckles with the metal balls that's just like viscerally upsetting to me I don't like children being hurt well (laughs) I mean obviously no one does (laughs) but I mean like even people that are like oh I spanked my kids and I was spanked and I turned out fine it's like no you fucking didn't because it's not okay it's not a fucking okay thing to do you should never like ever ever strike a child but whatever and people will be like oh well you don't ever want kids and you don't have kids you don't know and I'm like okay but like I wouldn't fucking hit my children so fuck you (laughs) I just verbally abuse them you know (laughs) yeah there's plenty of people that do that too which is fucking horrible yeah it is um anyways the (laughs) that was disturbing and then the part where she's reading the story and it's like her and then the man with like the lashings on their ass yeah and that part was disturbing because that's like a porn thing for sure and also it's a bit confusing at first you're not sure if it's like actually happening yeah or not. i, I mean, thought that first, it's eventually revealed as oh, it's just a fantasy all these guys are having while she's reading it but at first yeah. it's like wait hold on is this real what? yeah that was that threw me for a little bit of a loop and then the puppet yeah, <laughs> that, for that, the that was bonkers. Mannequin. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah, for anyone who's listening to this who has not seen this movie, um, during one scene while she is reading uh, erotica to a group of men, uh, that her uncle has invited over, uh, they're like, "Well, the illustration's gone, so we we don't know what it looks like." And he's like, "Well," and then a fucking rope comes down. A wooden mannequin appears, and she, like, straps herself to the mannequin, and, like, the mannequin is, like, it, like, because the, in the story, the man is, like, hanging himself while they are fucking, and mm-hmm. so, like, it just shows how that happens, and they're, like, suspended in midair, and it's, like, okay. <laughs> it's real bizarre. And she's wearing clothes, but I thought that she was gonna strip down for, I, yeah, I was, like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Yeah, I mean... That's uh, very weird. At least some vague level of decorum is held. So she's not, like, literally, yeah. like, stripping for these guys, but... Yeah. Yikes. And we come to find out that this is what her aunt used to do as well. Um, I mean, I don't know about the weird puppet part, but the reading erotic <laughs> part. I mean, the fact they had that all set up... Yeah, that's another thing. It's, like... it's a regular <laughs> thing that they do. You don't have, like, a marionette wooden puppet just for a one-time use yeah you know let's just jazz things up you know just one time you know they're gonna be mad at that the illustration was torn out so let's just you know let's just let's just and then imagine being the person like made that mannequin you have no idea what it's gonna be used right (laughs) very very bizarre um it's it's kind of hard to figure out what to talk about like, All right, something I want to talk about, though, is the male gaze. Um, yes. So, like I said before, the first act, um, the eroticism, the sensuality is very, it's more subdued, and it's more from the perspective of the characters, for sure. And then when you get to the sex scene again, 
during uh for Heideko's perspective because in the first act it ends when uh Suki is about to you know lick her pussy and <laughs> to put it delicately um, <laughs> okay <laughs> and um, so it ends like there and then like it cuts the next day but then in the second uh act it gets very explicit very quickly and it's not the fact that um it becomes more explicit that I take issue with it's more in the fact that it it de facto becomes part of the male gaze because there is a straight male director. But to his credit, during when they actually filmed the scene, it was not like if any of you have ever heard the stuff about hap- that happened on Blue was the warmest color with the abusive director and he was like really pushy and gross and weird. That did not happen during this. What happened during this was he set it up so pretty much no crew was present in the room with them. It was just one woman there uh, operating the camera, I think. And then that was it. And he just, like, let them do what they needed to do. And he was somewhere totally different. He just gave them their privacy. And it was all very respectful. So that I will give kudos to. But I feel like... So he wasn't there at all? He wasn't in the room. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so credit where credit is due. I feel like that if you're going to do it, that's the way you should do it. Yeah. Um... But I mean, there's, I, there are also several scenes, too, so is that the case for all of them? I, I, th- I think it, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like during that main sex scene that they had, I'm not sure about yeah. the last scene. I want to get into the last scene as well. Yeah. But, um, so, but I feel like it is impossible for any straight man to film a lesbian sex scene without injecting his own gaze onto it. Maybe there's a way to do it. I don't know, but I don't think it's possible. And I feel like an honest effort was made here, but unfortunately it fell short in that respect. And it sucks because I feel like the overall message and narrative of this movie was very much not gross and not like uh, misogynistic and not like fetishizing. But um, unfortunately that is kind of the way it feels when you watch it. Mm Because there is a very big difference, even just between um, Carol in this, and Carol was directed by a gay man, and there is a sex scene in that, but it doesn't feel the same as this. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like the only way to do it would be, like, just showing people's faces, maybe? Like, not showing any body parts, like, whatsoever, or giving the illusion, or not the illusion, but, like showing enough to where you know that it happens but not showing it explicitly yeah because i feel like when it was done in the first act i felt like that was good and then yeah i don't know because i feel it because again in a a sort of similar way to blue is the warmest color which unfortunately we haven't done yet for this podcast but it just kind of like gets into it like too quickly like they're immediately 69ing each other (laughs) like it's yeah i I thought it was very funny though she's like oh you must be a natural (laughs) Like, yeah, that made me yeah. laugh the first time I saw it. Well, that's what I was going to say is that, like, in the first act, you you know that Suki, she's like, oh, well, my friend taught me how to, to kiss, at least. And I don't know if she means also, like, other stuff. But I, think, she... I think it's kind of implied. Yeah. It's other stuff as well. Um, I do like that there's never, like, a question of, oh, we shouldn't be doing this because we're both women. Yeah, that's it's nice. Like, that's not even a question. Yeah. Um, I feel like she is a little bit more innocent though like even though she thinks that Haidako is the innocent one like obviously Haidako has been uh reading these like highly erotic books so she kind of has that idea in her head of that's what it's supposed to be so when you see it in the second act I feel like it is more explicit and male gazy because from Haidako's expensive 
perspective. Heidko's perspective. <laughs> <sighs> Talking. Uh, that's how it is to her because, like, she has been infiltrated basically with all of these erotic, disgusting kind of uh, novels. And I feel like that is very similar to where porn these days is yes. like actually everything porn. yeah everything is sort of filtered through the male gaze and like it affects people in ways they don't even realize exactly and um like i remember when i was younger and like kind of like coming to terms with my own queerness being like well maybe i just feel attracted to women because that's how women are presented to me all the time in media and like yeah, I'm just eroticizing them because that's what I've been taught to do, which is not the case, at least not with me. Yeah. Um, but, um, but it it does. That's how I felt too, and that's why it took me so long to realize things because I was like, oh, I'm just seeing this from the male gaze. Like I recognize that, so it's like tailored for dudes to find this hot. So like, I mean, that's just kind of why I'm finding it hot. But like, then you realize, oh, I do find this like attractive this is what I'm sort of into yeah and then you feel guilty because you're like well it's still from the male gaze and I don't know how to view another woman from a female gaze because I'm so used to viewing my own self and others from a male perspective because that's what we're constantly fed exactly and the like this I feel like that that's something this movie could have possibly tackled like how you can reconcile growing up with such toxic uh views of female sexuality and still have a loving relationship which kind Mm -hmm. of ties into the last scene where they're doing that thing from the fucking story she was reading with the metal balls and that felt the most male gazy out of all of the scenes in the movie like i could have forgiven uh their main sex scene for the most part i'm like well this feels a little bit leery but i'm like it's it's fine you know it's still good and then at the end it was just like uh no, I mean... But there's... maybe that is kind of the point of, like, this is this is what kind of happens. Um, you have to... We don't see, like, more than the end, obviously, but, like, that's where they end up, and they have to probably, over a certain period of time, eschew that, that notion that they yeah. have. The you thing know. is, though, I don't feel like that's even what the movie is saying. No, but and... that's what I'm trying to tell <laughs> <laughs> like that's not what the narrative i mean like from the story perspective i get like oh the bells signify like happiness or whatever and like they're they're mm. having fun and giggling and they won over the men and it's like triumphant in that way absolutely yeah. but like also it's just it's kind of like oh it's just more male fantasies everything yeah. is male fantasies everything like, is male fantasies let me break it down because it I don't watch Orange is the New Black anymore, and I don't really like that show anymore. I, <laughs> I haven't watched it since, though. like, I don't know, the third season. There's a part, though, um, Pusse is, is a lesbian, and they show, like, in her flashback, um, her and this girl she's dating. And they're like, for fun, they're like, oh, let's try scissoring. And then they're like, see, I told you that shit doesn't work. That's yeah, just saw- in porn. Like, that's I saw stupid. The gifts that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who enjoy scissoring, and like, I did enjoy that moment where they grab onto each other's hands. I thought that was nice. I thought that was great. I thought that was a great symbol of like solidarity between them. It kind of foreshadows them teaming up later. But um, yeah, 
But yeah, even just watching, I'm like, how does anyone in- enjoy just kind of like rubbing their crutches <laughs> together like this? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. But, um, and I mean, like everybody does things differently, but I feel like that's one of those things that in porn yeah. and like in the, in her books, that was uh, like most of the pictures that you see, that's what's going on. So yeah. that's what she's I like, feel like okay, it would have been great for them to try that and then Haidako to look so confused and be like, wait, this doesn't really... <laughs> It's do not, she's like yeah this isn't really working and then yeah. Suki be like oh it's a nice try miss but you're not gonna know everything yet it's fine <laughs> i feel like yeah. that would have been a great way to kind of like subvert uh the stuff she grew up with her entire life yeah but i do agree because like it does get into that and like the 69ing like way too fast and then it the does like the she ends. doesn't even say if, even if any like it doesn't I feel like even if there had just been a time lapse in between those two moments, I could have bought Heideko being like, let's try this. Not that I know what I'm talking about at all, certainly not, but we could, I don't know, I mean, you know, whatever. But, um... And I feel like if, like, I feel like that's a conversation, like, a very short conversation, but, like, a, hey, so, like, you're doing this, but, like, I also want to do that to you, so, like, can we maybe just, like, we can do it at the same time, right? Like, that's, like, that's all you need to say. Yeah, the thing is, though, like, the... like, like the thing is, in real life, you have so many short conversations like that during sex. Like, oh, is it okay mm-hmm. if I do this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? But like, in never films and in porn, not that I watch porn, but in that sort of thing, you don't have that conversation and things just sort of like happen naturally. And I feel like that's the mistake a lot of people wind up making during real life sex is assuming that that's how it works. You can just mm-hmm. kind of like do stuff and the other person's going to go with it because they just somehow can read your mind or whatever and um going through the motions exactly and i wish more media would show the conversations and more accurate portrayals but it's like everyone is just mimicking what has been mimicked before Mm -hmm. kind of so they're like oh well this is just how i've seen sex scenes portrayed before so let's let's just do that again like that'll be you know a good way to do it um yeah it's it gets into some real weird topics (laughs) it does it does and how like that stuff sort of like if you start watching porn at a really young age how it kind Mm -hmm. of like warps your idea of what sex is supposed to be and like as i said i i don't watch porn i'd never really watch porn before and i have no interest in doing so for a lot of reasons um but like it just i don't know it it just skews me out on a number of levels Mm -hmm. and i feel like if you're not like cognizant of the fact that porn really 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 is not real life and you don't really keep that in mind while you're watching it and which is something you can't do when you're a kid when you're a teenager you don't know you have no idea because you've never had sex before and actually reminds me of uh that one episode of that 70s show where like eric tries something we don't know what it is but it's anal it's implied that he just does and doesn't ask donna and it's like played off for laughs as opposed to what it is which is assault and it's just it, it all feeds into each other it's really toxic really terrible thing and it just i'm not comfortable with it yeah i don't really remember that episode yeah that episode that sticks out in my memory because i watched it and i was like what the fuck <laughs> and it's possible that i haven't seen it because i feel like i would probably remember it too yeah um but yeah, I feel like that's when you get into, like, really hard territory, too, because, like, 
I mean, obviously it's not okay for someone to do something like that, but like if you have absolutely no idea that what you're doing is wrong because you've been fed by society and by porn and all this stuff like from a very young age like you said like oh this is just the way things go this is okay this is fine like you kind of don't really know what you're doing and not that that's like inherently like a good defense but I think that it's like in that sort of case it's a conversation of like what has our fucking society done not like this particular person is like an evil bad person you know because like yeah 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 because, like, pornography has existed as long as there have been humans, I imagine. Like, yeah. Of course, people have been drawing dirty shit since people could draw things, you know, and could write yeah. things. But like, I feel like the way it permeates our culture so much and the fact that, like, it's so visual now and it's so, like, immediate and it's so, like, available to everyone is just kind of, like... I mean, again, I'm not... I, I It sounds like I've been doing this, but I seriously don't judge anyone for watching porn at all. Like, I really don't. But I feel like there's certain attitudes that can arise when you either watch too much pornography or have watched a lot of it from a young age or like so it's just it's something to be mindful of it goes back to what i was saying too like you're not going to blame like a singular person like of course like there's plenty of people that read erotica and watch porn and they're not bad people and like it's not bad for wanting to seek that stuff out because like everyone experiences sexuality different but it is a product of very shitty patriarchal society and if you aren't viewing it through like a critical lens or whatever you know <laughs> just being aware being aware that it's not how it works is really what's important because yeah. the thing is like i don't watch more but i do like have fantasies and like in my fantasy i'm like this isn't how things this would go down would go. this would yeah. never be how things go down but like i'm just enjoying myself and i can kind of like separate the reality from fantasy but some people can't do that or if it comes to mesh together even if you try not to very true uh which is why it's so cathartic when they go to the library and when suki finds out what's going on she starts she's like ripping the pages out (laughs) she goes ham on them she does and and then it's like, oh, this is her this is her young knight moment. This is really what it yeah. was, is freeing her from all this terrible abuse and, like, this terrible patriarchal society and just them just, like, being able to run off together and, like, fuck the men over and just indirectly, like, kill them in a way. And, like, that's what that moment is really about for me. Because, yeah, like, on one I'm... level, you're also like, oh, my God, all this artwork. But then, like... <laughs> But then, on the other hand, it's, like, that's not what's important. It's really not. Like, and all, that also gets into, like, um, the art versus the terrible human beings that make them. And how that, like, it, like what's more important? Is it just the art and the culture? Is it, like, the human beings who are really, like, very badly affected by all of the stuff? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what's the line uh, you draw there? For sure. I, um, it's so hard to talk about so many of these things. They're, like, it's, like, too real. It is too real. real. (laughs) Um, yeah, it is, it's so freeing to see them free themselves from that. And there's so many, um, like, when we get to that point in the movie where we see them, like, teaming up and what they actually did to get out of there and, like, I guess, is the snake, like, a phallic symbol maybe i think so i think it is and think she she just like chops off its head Ugh, which like so good 
Uh, so if that's, you know, if that's what we think it means, then that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then when they, like, when they go past the tree and there's the news hanging in the first act and you think that it's just, like, a weird symbolism thing, but then you realize that, that um, Heideko was going to hang herself, too. Yeah. Um, I liked that that we that was explained you know <laughs> yeah there is a bunch of like setup and payoff in this movie a lot of people like mirroring each other's lines like uh yes so that that w- in ways that make sense later like when she's like oh you think it wouldn't be like making love to a corpse and you watch that like what mm-hmm. is she what did she why is she what and then like like where'd she get that idea and then you find out later oh it's from the count who said oh it'd be like it'd be like making love to a corpse she just yeah. has no soul and it's just yeah also something i found extremely funny during that scene he's like oh man all the ladies just drop their panties around me no one can resist me it's like typical man yeah <laughs> no one can resist you i'm sure yeah, sure. and Suki's like, get your tiny cock out of my hand. Like, don't ever don't. presume to fucking make me touch you again. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> um, good. I did think it was really weird, though, that he went from being like, I have no interest in you at all, to being like, oh, I think I kind of like you, to being like, oh, I'm gonna just, like, force myself on you, because that's what women like. And then, again, that brings it back to, so we've been seeing these people fed these messages of, like, that's what women like. And then you're like, no, that really fucking isn't. And she tells her uncle, basically, to tell that to him. Like, no, that's not what women like. Yeah. So. That was great. So, so this movie does have its faults in regards to, like, uh, the male gaze and maybe perhaps uh, over-sexualizing some aspects of lesbianism. But I can ultimately forgive it because the narrative of the movie is definitely in their favor and against the men and thinks the men are, like, awful and disgusting and pathetic. And so I'm. it's there to criticize, but it's not – you can't – I don't think it's fair to condemn the whole movie based entirely just on that. Yeah, I I would say the same thing. And I have a rant that doesn't really, like, specifically apply – to this because once we find out what's actually happened it doesn't really apply but when they like supposedly do it on their wedding night and then there's like the blood on the sheets and you find out that like she like cut herself and dripped it on there because they didn't actually have sex first first of all my rant (laughs) is that this is portrayed so much in media this like blood on the bed sheets thing and it's like one of those things where you read about in books like oh this person was sold off and if they don't if there's not blood on the sheets then they weren't a virgin first of all virginity is a fucking construct it's completely made up it's stupid as shit there is obviously no way to tell if a man is a virgin or not because you know there's no similar thing the whole origination of the blood is supposedly the hymen which is like, oh, well, it's supposed to be intact if you've never had sex before. <sighs> Which doesn't let make me just, any sense <laughs> when you think about let it. Let me just break it down into, like, several parts, okay? So, <laughs> first of all, the hymen does not break. It is tissue. It does not break. It is generally a piece of tissue that stretches and that you have at least fragments of your entire life no matter like what sexual activity you've had and when you get older the skin becomes thinner and easier to stretch 
And there are several different types of hymens. You can have ones that are just one opening. You can have ones that are segmented down the middle that have tiny little perforations or that are completely sealed over, which usually requires like surgery because obviously like when you start menstruating, the blood can't leave your body and it can make you really sick. So there's multiple different kinds in the first place. And if you have one of the kinds that are like little holes or a perforation down the middle, it's a lot more likely that it's going to just tear on its own just doing normal shit. Like, I was told, at least as a child, like, that can happen if you're riding a horse or doing gymnastics and you fall or something. Like, it can happen all different kinds of ways, just, like, sudden trauma to the area. But it still, like, wasn't ever told to me that it wasn't a breaking. Like, that's what I was told that it was, but that's not true. (laughs) And... You shouldn't bleed your first time. If you do, it's more likely that it's, like, the inside tissues bleeding from, like, not being ready enough because, like, yeah. everyone's nervous and, like, like nobody being, knows. Like, lubed up enough, not wet enough. Not yeah. Ra- basically not being aroused. And I feel like... And that's actually not correct either because you can be extremely aroused and still not, like, have enough to... Yeah. To get things working in the way that they should because like you haven't done this before and like you can use lube that's not from your own body like that's a thing that a lot of people do and another thing is that um so often and I know that it doesn't really apply to this movie because like this is not a thing that you would be doing with someone before you are married to them because it's like oh you're not supposed to do anything unless you're married but in this day and age, you don't go from fucking kissing to fucking yeah. in 0.2 seconds. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> like, you need to be spending a good amount of time with a person. And it's not saying, like, oh, well, you need to spend a certain amount of time with a person before you have sex with them or before you lose your virginity or whatever. Like, any, like, sort of moral judgment that has no place in this discussion. You should... Be able, though, to spend the time with the person to the point where you're doing other things that aren't sex, but that are leading you and actually up to the act of it, mentally and physically. Like, getting your body used to, okay, so things are gonna happen here. And getting your brain used to, okay, so things are gonna happen here. And then it's like the layers and levels of knowing when you're ready, so that when you do get up to the point of, like, okay, so I'm ready for for the, you know actual active intercourse then your body and your mind are like okay that's fine and then you shouldn't bleed and it shouldn't hurt like that's not that's not what it's supposed to be and that message is just fucking sold to everybody even in like the most quote-unquote woke of media and i'm like i hate it so much I, i mean at least in this movie to be fair it did take place in a time where that would have been like the accepted wisdom. Yeah, I know, uh, and I know <laughs> but, that it doesn't. I know that it doesn't apply to the movie, and then it's like yeah, that's not is, even yeah, a thing. One hundred percent correct, absolutely. But I just had to rant about that because I feel like there's a lot of people that still don't know it, and I just wanted like scream it to everybody. Like I feel, this is not how it should be. I feel it's like it's 2018, guys. Like yeah, <laughs> you have the whole internet at your disposal. You should. <laughs> yeah. It, and especially it's not because like especially because I feel like like I don't even know anyone who has bled their first time and it's like like don't you guys wonder maybe why there wasn't any blood there and also like 
I feel like that's just such an alarming thing that, like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, how convenient something that can, you know, gauge my value, read my virginity, is able to be so easily visually seen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, oh, just it's very convenient for all the men and the patriarchy. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's such an easy visual test for this. <laughs> exactly. That's why we've been fed the lie for so long. Um. Anyways, if you want to know more about that, dear viewer, I've been reading a book called Come As You Are, and it's about, like the science of sexuality and she talks about that in that book and i was so fucking glad because i was like i've known this and now a bunch of other people are finally gonna know this because they're gonna read this book so i just gave myself a headache getting all worked up about that (laughs) (laughs) anyways back on to the actual topic of the movie Uh, so i'm trying to think of what else? I feel like a lot of our notes we want, my notes we wound up covering just through talking about the movie itself. Oh, one thing yeah. I one thing I really liked, like I feel like like this movie has like a good amount of humor injected into it, and it I really appreciated that. Like when uh, they're having sex the first time, she sees like her boob. She's like, "It's so cute," and I'm just like, "Aww, <laughs> that's so nice. What a nice thing to say." Yeah. <laughs> and I liked the um I wrote in my notes I liked the the look that Suki and the Count give each other like yeah. the little like scrunched up face like <laughs> meh type look it's funny yeah when he's like he's like oh like oh what was it he said oh shit sorry did you hear that <laughs> yeah <laughs> my mic almost just fell off the desk <laughs> my I was like oh boy let me all right so uh, the quote was oh I don't want to be near you for fear you might read my thoughts and she just like rolls her eyes. yeah and then when uh later when he's like like uh trying to get her ready for sex and she's just like rolling her eyes at him like mm-hmm. like touching her boobs and stuff she's like oh yeah i enjoy this and she's just like oh no <laughs> yeah and i love the scene that in that scene um he's like not drinking the wine so she's like oh he absolute dickhole i'll just do it for you and you'll think it's sexy and like i like that she took that into her own hands because i feel like that always happens in movies where someone tries like drug or poison someone and they like find it out or they don't drink theirs or whatever so that was funny i like that it's like i'll just fucking spit it into your mouth i'll just do it for you just like i I gotta do do everything everything And I liked that Siki enlisted the help of the um, women back home. Oh yeah, that was to help cool. her get out of the asylum. Again, again, a great departure from the novel. Yeah, and it's she uses thing. her pin to get out of the the shackles and everything. Yeah. Something so I thought cool. was like kind of alarming was the fact that like um in this one he ar- tried to arrange it so she would get like killed by like I guess what yeah. would be a poisonous bug inside her rice ball. Thankfully, she noticed it, but like you notice Heidiko being like, "Oh, you." You arranged, oh, you arranged to get her killed. Oh, shit. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I gotta keep going, because otherwise I don't know what else I'll do. <laughs> but, like, nothing else <laughs> and I they were both eating situation. at the, like, they both, I liked that, the, the symmetry of, like, yeah. she was eating the, the strawberries and she was eating. I thought it was just a roach. It looked like a roach to me, but I, I don't know. know. I mean, <laughs> it's implied whatever it is would have killed her. Would have killed so, her, I guess. Um, yeah. Ugh, gross. Um... I liked, uh, speaking of the symmetry, of the symmetry of, like, most of the film. We talked about that in Moonlight, too. There was a lot of characters being in the center of the shot. And not only that, but, like, things being identical on either side of them. Yeah. You know? 
the shot of her um Heideko reading in the first act before you know what she's reading and the blackout is happening mm-hmm. and then the shot where it's like the hotel sign in the middle of the the windows i really liked yeah, that shot yeah. i feel like uh, like the thing is i feel like what tends to make well, at least the good queer films great is the fact that like so many things have to be subsumed in subtext because that's how a lot of queer people have to live their lives <laughs> is reading the subtext yeah and um I f- it, it it lends to the artistry of the movie in a very natural way yeah definitely i don't I don't know what else to add. I just have, like, a really bad headache that came on out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, you just, like, started ranting about hymens in your brain. Well, (laughs) that's it. We're done. (laughs) my life. I rant and I get headaches. That's how I live. Yeah. Uh, um, I loved Suki as a character. I thought she was a really awesome departure from how we see a lot of women in, in media. She, she definitely has that duality of, like, being very uh, naive in a lot of ways, but also mm-hmm. being, like, really smart and savvy. Mm-hmm. And um, and also, like, that kind of plays into, uh, like, they kind of, like, complement each other in that way as well, because Haidiko is also kind of naive in some ways, but very much not naive in other ways. And yeah. So I feel like they're the perfect couple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, like, the fact that, like, um when she dresses up in a suit at the end and everyone is not immediately like, oh, that's a lady. I thought that yeah. was really funny. I'm like, this is clearly a woman in a suit, but mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but the mustache was there, so, you know. Yeah. No, one, no one was looking too closely, you know? <laughs> no. I like when, uh, when Suki is, like, all freaked out when she's given the passports to the train guy or the boat guy and... Then he's like, oh, that'll just be three more yen. And she's like, ha! <laughs> it's like, oh, great, great, awesome, thank you. All right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> the way she just, like, throws her head back and laughs at so many parts that uh, yeah. maybe aren't appropriate, that says a lot about her character as well. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting that you find out that the aunt wasn't actually uh hanged to death she was yeah. already dead before that but yeah uh, suki's mom did hang yeah so it's interesting i don't know yeah the a movie bit of duality kind of, in their lives yeah the movie didn't get too much into other uh, mothers unlike uh the novel which kind of yeah. had to because of all of its really silly plot twists. yeah <laughs> the thing is i was trying to read that again and th- it's why we picked this movie because i was trying to read it again and we started talking about it and like i was reading it and i was just like i remembering how it all goes and then remembering this which did it so differently and i'm like the movie version of the ending is better in my opinion because mm-hmm. i know the novel is supposed to be like um very dickensian and that's kind of what she's going for but at the same time it's like really <laughs> really do yeah, we need that many plots was. <laughs> I think that the like a one or two is a good number. Yeah, you can't keep, <laughs> you can't keep piling plot twists on top of plot twists. You know, you're just you're kind of like testing I, the reader's patience. Yeah, I don't like when it's when everyone is not just two steps ahead, but like seventeen steps ahead. It's like because that's not really fun anymore because yeah, people don't actually work like that. Yeah, no one no one is that clever. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you can't, yeah. 
you can't always anticipate exactly what someone's gonna say or do you, like you can't you can't it's i mean i'm trying to think of like things i've read or seen that i've enjoyed that have been kind of like that maybe there's been like one or two but like for the most part anything that has like plot twists you gotta keep it to a minimum you gotta yeah this movie, I think, has the the good, the perfect amount. Like, that'd be, like, the most amount of plot twists you would want. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, the cap. It's, like, the maximum. <laughs> yeah, and I do like that they, a lot of it is set up once you get to the second act. Like, it's not, yeah, so you don't like, get to the second act, and then it, the second act is also setting up a bunch more mysteries. It's, yeah, like, solving them and then being, like, okay, exactly. so we're gonna bring this around yeah. to tie everything up in the exactly. third act. So I liked that. Yeah, definitely. Um... What else? What else do we want to cover? We t- talked about the torture chamber and the gross uncle and gross men and porn, and I, we've talked about the male gaze and um, this is even though there's a lot of really disturbing, uncomfortable subject matter in this movie, it does end up being a happy ending for the women. Yes. So that's a win because, like you said back in the Carol episode, a lot of stories four queer people end up with one of yeah. them dying or being reformed yeah. or whatever. And as far as I'm concerned, at this point in the game and at this point in the media landscape, tragic endings for queer characters just don't fly anymore. You just no. you can't you you can't do it. And like the only times it's acceptable is if you have so many queer characters in your work that it's okay if like a few of them get a sad ending, but as cuz that's just like real life. That's just but real also life. like yeah. It can't be just that one character that's just that way that's the only one that yeah. gets fucked, <laughs> like, like, basically. There's, like, there's no excuse, especially, hopefully, at some point we can do uh, this documentary, The Celluloid Closet, and you get into, like, the history of how many, how for decades and decades queer characters have been villainized or made these tragic figures and how it's mm-hmm. led to, like, so many queer people feeling like their lives are inherently tragic and it just mm-hmm. sucks and there's no excuse for it anymore and I'm, it's canceled. <laughs> tragic <laughs> endings for queer characters are canceled. <laughs> well, that's why um, I saw a post recently that was talking about how awesome it is that we have, um, that Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine came out as yes. bi. Yes. And, I mean, we have Captain Holt and his husband already in that show, but somebody was making the point of, like, this is really awesome because she's a bisexual woman and it's a sitcom. So, yeah. like, people, it's, it's like there's more main characters one. don't die, it's also. Not a, it's not, like, a token character. And also, another thing that Brooklyn Nine-Nine really gets right is the fact that there's not just one Latina character. I remember yeah. reading about how uh, it was... I forget what, if if it was her or it's Melissa Fumero. Yeah, yeah. Um, Melissa I think Fumero, she. She was like, oh, I thought I had. She's like, oh, I didn't get that part, so I thought I just wouldn't get in it. But then I got the other characters sent. I was like, oh, oh, there's gonna be two of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is awesome. And then they're also from like different cultures too. So yeah, you get, exactly. Like different, different. Um. um just like different cultures and different characters not like a oh well this is a this is this type of character and they're all the same yeah you know uh but yeah like the post was saying basically like it's a sitcom so she's not gonna die just because she's gay exactly yeah yeah you know she's she's safe she's safe (laughs) and they even did have a episode in episode (laughs) talking is bad today i'm sorry um (laughs) like last week the most recent one unless i just missed no 
it's back okay <laughs> uh one of the characters I don't need to explain the whole thing. Basically, they're trying to protect Captain Holt's husband because they think that there is, like, a crime person that is going to put a hit out on him because he's out to get Captain Holt. So they protect him. And, like, you're never actually, like, oh, one of them is actually going to get hurt or die because that's not... It's a sitcom. You know that they're going to, like, save the day and everybody's going to be fine and they're going to get the bad guy and he's not going to get to hurt one of the characters. So that's, like, so refreshing. Yeah, yeah. We need more queer rom-coms as well like those cheesy yeah. rom-coms but like good ones <laughs> i haven't seen love simon yet but i need um, to too yeah yeah i'm glad that that is like such an experience for so many people <laughs> yeah that's good especially because i've been reading things too where people are like um bringing their parents to it and like the whole coming out aspect like really spoke to their parents who like Aww. maybe reacted shittily to it at first and they Aww. were like crying during it apparently. I'm like, this is so nice. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like, yeah, we definitely need more stories that are just different. Like we've said a million times on this podcast. <laughs> and it's nice that we're finally starting to get some of that, even if it is in the grand scheme of things, kinda crumbs because like so many other stories yeah, are we've only, being told. We've only just begun. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully it keeps going. For sure. I think that pretty much wraps things up. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about... This is another one that we could talk about forever because there's so much going on, but I just don't know how to address, like, every little part of it without it going too long, you yeah. know? Yeah, because we don't... We don't want this to go on forever. Yeah. I, yeah. Let me see if there's any last thoughts that I had. Oh, I loved Hedeka's outfit when she's at dinner with the Count, like, right after the assignment. Oh, yeah, That yeah, white yeah. shirt tucked into the black pants, uh, so good. that was, uh, looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fucked up that they hurt her as a kid. And her aunt was, like, oh, the only nice oh, person. Oh, in the novel, I forget if I mentioned this. Uh, in the novel, uh, Heideko's counterpart, Maud, her... She grew up in the mental asylum, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah, she was raised by the nurses there, and then her uncle comes and is like, I need an assistant, so why? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, so that's also kind of a major departure. Yeah, and All it, right, so yeah. last thoughts on this. A lot of people probably haven't seen it, and they should, because I feel like a lot of people have probably seen the director's other works, because he's done Snowpiercer and Stoker and Old Boy, and then a bunch of other stuff. I think he did a version of Interview with the Vampire. Um, I think it was like a short film. But amazing director probably one of the best-known Korean directors, as far as I know. Um, this is a good mystery. It's a good uh, depiction of how lesbians can get a happy ending. Uh, it's extremely disturbing and uncomfortable to watch <laughs> at a lot of points in time. <laughs> so don't expect to go into it being like real uh comfortable 
Yeah, just, <laughs> just don't expect <laughs> to be comfortable. Yeah, it, it is deeply uncomfortable at times and kind of weird. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember- and I think that it's awesome that, just like I said in Moonlight, how the only time that there's, like, sex with a woman depicted from, like, um, a man's perspective that is not a straight man, it's the only really, like, vulgar part yeah. that, that portrays sex because they're making the point of, like, you know, the this way that you normally view it is maybe not the way that everybody views it. Yeah, exactly. And I like that the same thing is here. It's like, the nice parts of the movie are the parts when they're together, even though there are some people who would say, oh, well, two women together, that's gross, or whatever. But, like, those are the nice parts of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) And the the uncomfortable, disturbing parts are the parts where men have anything to do with anything. Yeah. So So I think that's... The moral of the story is straight sex is bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, the, in, in the context of the movie <laughs> yes yeah. I also love how like at various points in the film like he's like oh no you wouldn't be interested in me and they're like nope <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. cause we're gay <laughs> mm-hmm. it's implied yep oh so yeah this movie is definitely worth seeing even though like not a lot of people have seen it um, both because it's a, it's a movie with ladies, loving ladies, which is always something you should see, and it's a beautifully shot film. It's gorgeous, even if the it is disturbing at times. And also because, like, it's just very interesting the fact that this was a novel that was written by a white woman about white people, for white people, not really for white people, but you know what I mean, and um, adapted into a, a Korean film about a... Asian women and directed and written by Asian people and I feel like that is something that is very intriguing because I feel like it it does happen but it doesn't happen like super often Mm -hmm. so I feel like even just for that alone it's worth watching just to kind of see like the cultural uh differences between the two yeah I I completely agree honestly I think that's why I didn't really like the Sarah Waters book that I read because like Victorian England is just not ever something that I've been interested in that yeah, much. Like, it's, 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 I don't I, care. Something it's I would recommend for you to read of hers is actually her first novel, which is Tipping the Velvet, which is very much a, specifically about being queer in Victorian England. And in that case, it provides a very unique perspective on that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I mean, I do have most of her books and I do enjoy them, but I definitely understand not being into it for that aspect. Also, the book you read was not written for Victorian times. It was the 1920s, just to clarify. (laughs) Was it really? Yeah. Did you not realize that while you were reading it and they were talking about the war? (laughs) Yeah, it was the 20s. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it was World War I. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. So let me clarify to which I say Victorian England reaching just... All of England. Elita hates England is really what the list of this is. (laughs) No, I understand what you mean. I I forgot, actually, but I did realize when I was reading it. (laughs) Wow. Uh, But no, I I just don't, that's, I'm not really, like, into the past that much. Yeah. Like, period stuff, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's it's not a, I feel like the thing is, too, because there's just so much of it. 
that it is, is kind of like it, it, like something this is a period piece but it's something it's a culture that's completely different from ours and it's a completely different country yeah. so that it makes it interesting but as far as like there's like so many period pieces that take place in england it's like eh, i've yes. seen it even if you add in lesbians you know i've seen it you know it, yeah it's it's just a time that's never really intrigued me that much i've never been one of those people that's like super into world war Two. and yes i know that this takes place like in the 40s or after world but war again II it's or different whatever. from our western perspective <laughs> exactly and i just i don't know no no i get what you mean <laughs> i understand completely i don't like the old timey talking and <laughs> the old timey <laughs> i don't know i'm just not into it it's it's just boring to me i don't want to like i don't want to have to read the author doing a lot of gymnastics to explain like oh this is what they used to call the bathroom and you had to go outside to use it and oh this is you know how they used to have to take baths i'm like i don't give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'm i'm an idiot i guess but uh the last thing that i was gonna say is probably something that's not gonna come back to me oh the music loved it Uh, music was very good yeah that's all I have to say. I like okay. the score. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that was a very um, dense, maybe not cohesive conversation on why haven't you watched that? <laughs> uh, so we, actually... we tried our best. <laughs> no, I think I think it was a productive discussion. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, so everyone, now that we've kind of like gone into the swing of things more, we've started a Twitter page which you should mm-hmm. follow. It's uh, YWT Podcast. And um, we won't just be posting the episodes there. We'll also be posting like other fun stuff that has to do with whatever the film is that we've been doing over the past few weeks. And um, we also would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes. Because yes. no one really has yet, I don't think. So no, you should do it. <laughs> because we don't have enough viewers, readers listeners we do but whatever um, they just they, no one yeah. no one has i feel like i've literally never reviewed i've never done podcast. it either unless i've been asked to so like <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah please do it so we can at least have a reading you know what yeah. i mean just to have it you some know. sort of credibility yeah because we're <laughs> professionals yeah <laughs> we know what we're doing we don't now that the sound is better like on an infinite scale yeah from from the first couple. I mean, yeah. it was all well, my fault, the first couple. Yeah, the first <laughs> one was definitely your fault. <laughs> no offense, but it was. <laughs> my microphone, I didn't know what was going on with it, and I'm a very quiet person naturally, so I wasn't like... I... I yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it's alright. Yeah. Uh, so... So, I've been Lita. I've been Jackie. <laughs> And this is why I didn't watch them.